Evals are often our first interaction with our patients, so it's important to start the patient-physical therapist relationship off on the right foot. You don't have time to stumble through your evals. So here's the five things to do in your next oncology evaluation. Welcome to the Onco PT Podcast, where you'll learn from oncology experts, practitioners, and patients to help you on your journey to become a confident and competent Onco PT. Here's your host, Elise Decker. This might be a bit of an unpopular opinion, but evals are some of my favorite things to do as a physical therapist. I love the idea of being a detective and investigating what's going on for my patients and why it's happening. Call me Nancy Drew, but it's true. I love being able to meet new people and start to hear their stories and start to form a relationship with a new person who maybe I could help live their best life even after such a devastating diagnosis. So it's safe to say evals are something I really enjoy. However, I initially did not love all of the extra work that goes on with doing an evaluation. All of the the extra, the, the longer documentation that's required to do a really good evaluation. But over the past couple of years, I've really been able to hone in on making my evals more efficient, but still informative. In fact, the last eval that I documented here in my private practice actually only took me 15 minutes after our session. Now compare that to the hours, literal hours, I would have to stay after work in order to finish documenting when I first started practicing as a physical therapist. A marked difference, right? So in order to make documentation faster and to get on with your life, we've got to set our evaluations up for success from the get-go. Here are five things to implement in your next oncology eval to make your life and your patient's life better. Number one, do a chart review prior to the eval. I get it, this doesn't always happen, the day gets busy, you get a last minute eval on your schedule, etc. But the more prepared you are for the person in front of you, the better the eval is going to go. Always, always strive to do a chart review prior to the evaluation. And what this should include is looking at the patient's chart, right? I know that's pretty obvious, but here's some of the things that I really encourage you to look at when you're doing that chart review. Look at the latest oncologist note. And maybe this is this is from the oncologist, maybe it's from the nurse practitioner or the PA, but what you're really looking for is a note that tells you, gives you a picture of what's going on with this patient right here, right now, but also I wanna know about their diagnosis. When did it happen? What kind of cancer do they have? What kind of treatment have they done so far? What treatment are they on right now? What treatment is potentially in the future for them? You should also be looking at any pertinent imaging. Now, this isn't necessarily the case for every patient that I encounter. Sometimes those imaging isn't, it's not really pertinent to what I'm going to do as a physical therapist. But anytime I have a patient who has metastases or who has suspected metastases, I am absolutely looking at imaging to see what it can tell me. Where are those metastases? Where are those suspected metastases? What do I maybe need to know or change 
about the evaluation that I'm about to do with this patient based on that information. We need to be checking out what medications are they on, both oncology treatments and others, and we really need to be looking at their lab values. Now, I highly encourage you, if you're unfamiliar with lab values and what you need to know about them, definitely check out the Maltzer article. I will link to that in today's show notes. That gives you a great overview of some of the labs we really need to be aware of when it comes to the oncology patient population. Now, if possible, this is kind of a hack regarding still this chart review. If possible, I want you to pre-document their treatment history. What I mean by this is go in, look to see what treatment they've been on, and then document it in your note. What this enables us to do is confirm the treatment history, the patient's oncology journey with them during the eval, rather than asking them to recount it from memory. There's lots of reasons to do this. Sometimes patients forget what treatments they've been on. Sometimes there's some cognitive impairment that is a result of the cancer, the cancer treatment, or something else entirely. These patients have lots of appointments that they're going to, and things run together. Heck, I don't even remember all of my medical history sometimes. So when we have the information pre-documented, we can confirm it with the patient, make changes as necessary, and then move on to other parts of the evaluation where we need to spend more time. Number two, focus on the patient's biggest and most problematic impairment or complaint. In oncology, patients rarely have just one impairment. Let's face it, many cancer treatments are systemic or they have regional and global side effects. So the likelihood that they have just one thing wrong is not very likely. It can be easy to get overwhelmed by the laundry list of impairments that some of our patients experience. So don't try to tackle them all. Instead, Dig into which impairment is causing the most issues for your patients here and now. Now, if your patient is a true prehab patient, meaning they have actually not started treatment yet, they don't have any side effects that you can determine, but they could in the future. In this case, focus on the impairment that could likely be the one that affects your patient the most in the future. Now, when we're newer to oncology, this can be a little more challenging to kind of try to predict what's going to happen in the future, but you have an idea of what are some of the biggest impairments patients can experience as a result of X, Y, and Z treatment. Focus on those ones if the patient doesn't have any impairments now, and then once you've identified the most problematic or potentially problematic impairment for your patient, select the appropriate subjective and objective measures so you can assess that impairment. Now, number three is really related to point number two. Number three, don't try to cram everything into the eval. Let me say that again. Don't try to cram everything into the eval. We've got some great research out there informing our clinical practice regarding what questionnaires, what tests to perform for various patient populations and various impairments. But this does not mean that you should do all of them every time for every patient. For multiple reasons. 
Sometimes patients are late. Sometimes we run late as the physical therapist. Sometimes patients can only tolerate so much activity. They can only do a couple tests before they're absolutely just gassed. Sometimes we need to spend time and effort elsewhere rather than on endless tests and measures and questionnaires. I used to cram as much as I possibly could into the eval. Every questionnaire, every test and measure, And what ended up happening was I had information that wasn't always useful and I would end up throwing an HEP at the patient as I was running out, hustling to my next appointment. It probably looked exactly as how you're imagining it now. Not very therapeutic, right? So instead, I want you to focus in based on the biggest, the most problematic impairment that you found that we were talking about earlier, select just a couple tests. Select just a couple questionnaires or subjective measures to administer. You don't have to do all of the tests on the first day. In fact, I would encourage you save some for the next visit if you really have more that you want to do. Or even save them for the re-eval that will eventually come up. Maybe you spend the first part of your time with this patient working on this impairment, the biggest impairment or impairments. And then there's some secondary ones that you want to spend time on later. You want to get to later, but you'll do that later. Again, don't try to cram everything into the eval. Number four. Leave more time than you think you need for education. As we discussed in episode 162 with doctors Carla Wente and Alex Hill in our Oncology Knowledge episode, patient education is not just a billable unit. Patient education is an integral part of the Therapeutic Alliance. And while this may not be your first rodeo, this may not be your first patient with cancer, this may not be your first oncology eval, this is likely your patient's first experience with cancer. This is hopefully your patient's first cancer diagnosis. This is hopefully your patient's only cancer diagnosis. They are going to have questions. They have concerns. They have worries. They want to know why the heck a PT is involved in their care, most likely. So it's important that we spend the time in the eval at that first session, that first encounter, to discuss your findings with your patient. What do these findings mean? Why are they important? What are we going to do about them? Don't be afraid to use pictures, models, drawings, and other other visual aids here. They can help you convey your point more easily, more clearly to your patient. And what this really helps us do is also improve patient buy-in so that they're more likely to come back so we can continue to work on, improve, and maybe even fix or resolve the impairments that they're experiencing. And then number five, Always finish the eval with a scheduled follow-up visit. Always. No questions asked. If a patient has a scheduled follow-up visit, they're more likely to come back. 
they're more likely to stick with the plan of care that you're implementing that you know is going to help them. Personally, I've always had very poor show back up rates if the patient left the eval without scheduling. Even when the patient says they'll call like, oh, I have to figure this out. You know, I have to check with this, this, and this. Always, always I have had poor show back up rates. And I'm sure this is for a variety of reasons, right? But when we, when patients leave without having something on the books, without having that next appointment scheduled, they're less likely to show up for, for lots of different reasons. They get busy. They have other appointments that fill up their time because let's face it, cancer is kind of a full-time job. They forget. They forget that they had PT. They forget that this was something they needed to do. And they may even decide that it's not a priority for them. It's not important. Now, patients have every right to do this, but one of my least favorite things is having an evaluation with the patient, discussing with them, hey, here's what's going on. They leave, they don't show up, or they don't schedule a follow-up visit. Whoops. And then they show up six months later with a new referral because they have even more problems than when they first saw me. You know, earlier they're Earlier, they were referred for prehab or they had early stage X, Y, and Z impairment. And now, six months later, a year later, after not getting that needed early intervention physical therapy, cancer rehab, they have even more impairments or they have greater disability, difficulty doing the things that they want to do and need to do as a result of that original impairment. So all this to say, it is crucial that at that evaluation, you get a scheduled follow-up visit. I get it. There's other appointments that patients have to juggle. Again, as I've said previously, having cancer is basically like a full-time job because there's so much that they're having to do all the time and keep track of, other practitioners to see you know, ultimately, they're trying to save their lives. And that's absolutely, that is absolutely a priority here. But we also know that physical therapy, cancer rehab has beneficial effects on how they tolerate their treatment. And even mortality. And that's a really big deal. And so, again, spending the time on education Spending the time discussing your findings, why it's important, what they mean for the patient, what you're going to do about them is going to help with that buy-in and make that person more likely to then schedule the follow-up appointment, to keep the follow-up appointment, and to keep showing up after that, doing the work to improve whatever they're experiencing. So recap here. Five things you need to do in your next oncology evaluation. First up, do a chart review prior to the eval. Make sure you include those components that we've talked about. Number two, focus on the patient's biggest, most problematic impairment or complaint. And then once you've figured that out, number three, don't try to cram everything into the eval. You've got time. Save it for the next visit. Save it for the re-eval. Save it for another day. Number four, leave more time than you think you need for education. 
There's multiple reasons why this is important, but it really ties into point number five, always finish the eval with a scheduled follow-up visit. The more time you spend educating the patient, establishing that therapeutic alliance, connecting with them on a human level, the more likely they're going to say to themselves, wow, this is valuable. I know that I'm going to get benefit from this. The more likely they are to schedule a follow-up visit with you, the more likely they are to show up for that scheduled visit and do the work again. So there's lots of things that you could do to improve your oncology evaluations. These are just five quick things that you can do. You can start implementing today, tomorrow with your patients, with your oncology evals to ultimately become more effective, to get better information, to spend your time more wisely, to frankly, get your documentation done faster, and to really connect with that patient on that human level to reassure them that you are indeed the practitioner who can help them achieve the things that they want to do and what they need to do. Now, if you want to do a deeper dive into how to improve your oncology evaluations, I have a free guide called 10 Things to Include in Every Oncology Evaluation. This link is in today's show notes. You can find them, grab it. It's free to download, and it really gives you 10 implementable strategies to start using to really make your evaluations more effective, to get better information out of them, and ultimately start helping the person in front of you right here, right now. What this is going to do, again, you'll get that free guide, and then you'll get a little more information about my upcoming eval course that is coming back. I'm bringing it back, y'all, in February It will be available at that time. So again, grab your free guide. Stay tuned for more information about my eval course. I'm very, very excited about it. And I'll see you on the next episode of the OncoPT podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the OncoPT podcast. For more episodes, visit theoncopt.com.